You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 85th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 416th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, July 19th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud... Banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. This week's Banner Moment occurred while recording Tuesday's edition of Podcast on the Brink. Oh, my with, God. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I don't want to trigger Ryan with any more POTV name dropping this week. Instead, I'm heading back to the other most common off-season source for Banner Moment inspiration, Twitter or Instagram, depending on how you choose to connect with your Hoosiers on social media. But on Wednesday, a new video was posted that put more than conditioning work or skill development on display. We got to see some actual up and down, run the floor basketball. And among the individual plays that stood out, mostly because of what they represented as new dimensions this year's team should possess, were Evan Fitzner draining a straightaway three, Robert Finnessy driving and finishing at the rim, Jerome Hunter backing his man down in the post in one clip and then draining a wing three in another, Devontae Green running the floor and having another guard, Romeo, with the vision to find him for a breakaway layup, Romeo knifing into the lane off the bounce and then throwing down an emphatic dunk, Demise Anderson with a quick shot fake and a dagger three, and on and on. And of course, we saw Jawan Morgan, Justin Smith, and Zach McRoberts doing, well, Jawan, Justin, and Zach things. A deep three by Justin and a beautiful floater from Jawan, chief among them. But the most important play of all was the last one. As the video wound to a close, it cut to Romeo holding the ball on the right wing. Jerome Hunter was guarding him, giving him just a bit too much space. Romeo sized Jerome up, elevated, and drained the three. The buzzer sounded, and then from off camera, you could hear, ball game. That's ball game, men. Ball game, man. What Indiana lacked more than anything last season was a guard always ready to take and make big game-deciding shots. And while Romeo will surely have his struggles as a freshman, I'm guessing that being willing to take big shots won't be one of them. That ability just seems to be baked into his basketball DNA. What we saw in that video may well have been the first time a Romeo Langford bucket decided a game while wearing the cream and crimson. It almost surely won't be the last. Okay, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, he is the Doug Peterson of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati. He is the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and he is one of the world's most renowned bracketologists. He is Andy Bottoms. Bottoms looms over other bracketologists the way seven foot three Chris Stapps Porzingis looms over point guards. Andy, what is your Bottoms line from the past week in Indiana basketball? Oh, I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to answer that. Uh, appreciate the updating with the Doug Peterson thing though. That's good for yes. 
Um, you, you know, I was I was tempted to, to mention, you know, what you did as well. They also posted something, uh, a picture of Juwan Morgan says JMO senior position all. So I guess that feels that feels good. We've seen him play many positions and uh, and so continuing to see a lot of good things from there. But I think, you know, in addition from that, that video, what I took away from it was more kind of the caption that they posted it under. Uh, even before you, you clicked into it, it was like practicing crossed out and battling uh, what was underneath of it. And I think what you saw in that clip, which was obviously, you know, those were all chosen for specific reasons, I'm sure. But I think the one thing that we really look forward to over the course of the season and have talked about a lot is the the battles that we would expect to see in practice and the fights for playing time uh, and, and all those kinds of things. And so, you know, it was at least a glimpse into one of the things that to me is the most exciting about these teams is as you think about the progression from last year to this year, where last year it felt like you were spending a lot of time trying to figure out how you could cobble together a lineup that would be competitive and one that in the end did did better than probably what a lot of people would have expected, but kind of a weird lineup that if we set out at the beginning of the season and said, this is going to be the rotation, we probably would have looked at each other kind of funny. And I think the big thing for me with this one is, you know, those are going to be five on five legit games and, uh, and really competitive situations that are going to test these guys. And, and in, in our eyes and the eyes of any fan everywhere is something that's going to make them better prepared for those kinds of battles when it gets into uh, key non-conference games, Big Ten play, all those kinds of things. So it was it was nice to get a first glimpse into that. And to my right, he is a columnist for the big lead. He's a co-host of The Hangover, and he is a man who just had to be tickled pink with joy this week to see that ESPN ranked his beloved Los Angeles Chargers in the top 10 of their future rankings for NFL franchises. Oh, wait, never mind. Screw the Chargers. He is Ryan Phillips. I'm stuck in my house all day because I work from home. Was it Ted Valentine? I will absolutely meet anybody by the bike racks after school if they want to fight. Let me just jump in real quick. Ryan, what is your IU basketball rant this week? I don't want to talk to you anymore after that Chargers intro. <laughs> Stop. Hey, I, I brought it back. I brought it back with the screw the Chargers. It was, it was late. It was late. It was just a setup for an audio drop. Come on. I know. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I first of all, I want to echo what you guys are talking. How awesome is the new social media thing? I guess the the bent that that Indiana basketball is on. It's so great. Uh, I, I'm I'm really stoked on on what they're doing with that. I think it's very cool. Really utilizing all of the tools at their disposal to to really pump up Indiana basketball, which is what we want to see as fans. And it, it also gives us a glimpse behind the curtain and is, is very cool. Uh, I guess what I would say this week is it's been a very slow week. There haven't been a lot of news and, and, and other than, you know, DJ Carton, which I'm sure we'll get into, it's been a slow week. And, and sometimes that's a positive in Indiana basketball, especially when you see these guys, you know, they're working and you don't need to hear it. What I'm really excited about was the announcement of Hoosier Hysteria, though. September 20th, I believe, was the date. 20, uh, wait, I've got it here. I think it was 29th. 29th. Yeah, 29th. Oh, okay. so you were excited about it, just not excited enough just, to remember the actual No, date. no. <laughs> hey, you know what? A little frazzled at the start of the show, and I think you guys know it. Uh, but no, it, uh, it's awesome that, that we're getting it that early. And it, especially with as quickly as Indiana football usually goes off the rails, it'll give you something to get really excited about as an Indiana alum, as an Indiana fan, uh, as an Indiana sports fan. Go see those guys. Really, 
excited about that, excited about getting to watch them play, hit the floor, have some fun, and then have a lot of time to work before the season starts. I mean, that's a long time before games start. So uh, pretty cool that, that they're starting it this early this year. I'm very excited for it. I think you guys are too. All right, so here's what we are going to talk about this week, Ryan's right. It was a bit of a slow week, but still plenty of news to get to. It is July, so we have to keep talking about recruiting. The first recruiting domino in the class of 2019 has fallen. What does it mean for Archie Miller and his staff moving forward? Also, is it time to question the common assumption that Trace Jackson Davis is a virtual lock to end up at Indiana? We're going to assess that. We also do a roundup of recent news for Hoosiers in the NBA. Yogi has a new contract. What does the Kawhi trade mean for OG? How much better can Victor Oladipo get? And then we answer your questions including one about Romeo and Calvert Chaney that you just know that I can't pass up. All of that coming here on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to this week's top story, though, a quick reminder. It's about money! Yes, it is about money. I want to quickly remind you of two great ways to shop online for tickets and for IU gear that also help us out at the same time. Remember these two URLs, iutickets.shop and iustore.shop. When you use those URLs to buy IU tickets or gear, tickets or gear that hopefully you would be buying anyway, we actually get paid a commission for referring you. And these commissions really add up and help us cover the costs of running the show, even the unexpected ones like Ryan needing a new phone. I was stone friggin' sober and lost my phone in an Uber. IUtickets.shop will take you right to SeatGeek, where you can immediately find the best deals on IU basketball tickets, as well as IU football tickets, concert tickets, and other live events. As a bonus, use the promo code ASSEMBLY to get $20 back after your first purchase. IUstore.shop will take you to the official IU online store when it's time to shop for birthdays, Christmas, or just to get new stuff for the upcoming season. They have gear for everyone, kids and adults, and they always have a ton of stuff on sale. So again, Bookmark iutickets.shop and iustore.shop and use them when you are looking for tickets and for IU gear. Taking just that one extra step before you shop will help us raise the money we need to cover our most important expenses like website hosting, podcasting equipment, and what else, Andy? I think Nick's would be a good answer to that question. Yes, can't forget about Nick's. Once again, the URLs are iutickets.shop and iustore.shop. Thank you. All right, you are listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And Ryan, you alluded to this week's top story, which was Hoosier hysteria being announced. And so let's linger on that for just a few minutes. You mentioned the date, Saturday, September 29th. And what's notable about that date is how early it is. So last year, Hoosier hysteria was on October 21st. And the date for this year is, is going to be really close to the very first day of practice because the first day of practice can be 42 days prior to the first game. And last year's first game was on November 10th. So, you know, we'll have to see what the schedule looks like uh, for this year. But, uh, you know, Andy, as I, as I kind of look toward Hoosier Hysteria and you think about, you know, some, some, some kind of things to watch out for looking, uh, looking in advance of that, everyone's going to talk about the scrimmage and the dunk contest and all of that, and that will surely be fun. But to me, two of the biggest things to watch for are, number one, who will be in attendance? Because Hoosier Hysteria is big for fans, but it's really big for recruiting. So we know Trace Always. Jackson's... Yeah, and, and last year it was huge. You know, you remember them, you know, walking Romeo out and kind of walking the players across the court. So we know Trace will be there. We know Keon will be there. Surely many, many others will be. And also, will the locker room renovations be done? Because, you know, that is something that I had heard that they wanted to do Hoosier hysteria when those would be done and ready for display. Uh, so, Andy, anything else that, you know, as that date approaches, you're going to be kind of, you know, kind of looking for to, to see what's going to be on tap for IU fans? 
Yeah, I was really struck by how early it was. Um, and you kind of back into some of that. I know at times in the past, they've really wanted to do it. It, it, it feels like there have been times when they wanted to do it on the weekend of a home football game. But really, the only one kind of around in that general area is the Iowa game in the middle of October, which is homecoming. And I'm not sure they wanted to, uh, you know, stack yeah. it on top of that. And that's, that's called double booking in the industry. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Thanks for that little insider tip there. Um, joke, and then, but... you know, the week after that, October 6th, they go to Ohio State. I, I would argue many, many fans of the team would probably say, I would love a distraction to not have to watch IU play Ohio State in football, though. Well, this has been a real pretty, uplifting show pretty, for IU football so far. Pretty close in recent years. Um, Goodness. But uh, so, I, yeah, it just struck me as as odd with the timing of it being early. And, I, you know, I heard you guys talk on uh, on on podcast on the brink about whether the renovations would be done. I would have to think that they would be. Um, otherwise I, I feel like that is a part of what you'd want to want to show to the guys. Now, obviously, you know, Trace Jackson Davis and Keon Brooks have been to campus a lot and probably have already seen it and seen some of, uh, you know, what's going on there. So maybe to those guys, it's less of a big deal, but as you start thinking about other recruits that you might want to have in attendance, it becomes a little bit bigger deal for them. And I do think from a recruiting perspective, because you're so early, uh, it may give you some flexibility of being able to get other guys to attend that you know, you're probably going to be on the very front end of when other teams are going to hold this. Whether it's better to be first or not is probably a question that's up for debate. But I would, uh, I would think that you're going to be able to get a lot of guys on campus that you want to get on just strictly based on the timing. Any additional thoughts, Ryan, on Hoosier hysteria? Well, also just tacking that onto Andy's is a lot of these kids won't have games yet, so they won't, you know, preseason tournaments or anything like that. A lot of them will be free to, you know, because they won't be unless they're playing football. Uh, but. I, yeah, I just I think it's great. I think it's a great to hold it early like that. Get the sort of energetic juices flowing for for basketball, and and you know I think everybody's looking so forward to it. I mean, look at us. It's you know middle of July, and we're starved for basketball news. Uh, this is usually baseball and you know preseason football stuff, and we are ready to go. I'm ready for a game tomorrow. Let's I go. I want let's, the season. I'm ready to do a post game. Let's, let's show, throw the jerseys on and roll the ball out at center court. And let's do this, boys. Uh, but no, I, I I just I'm ready for games. I'm ready for practice. I'm ready for more videos. Keep them coming. IU basketball Twitter. That's right. That's right. All right. Coming up, we are going to talk about recruiting. As I mentioned, the first domino from the 2019 recruiting class has fallen, and Indiana's top target in the class is maybe starting to freak a few people out a bit by suggesting he's no slam dunk to IU. We're going to discuss that. Stick with us here on The Assembly Call. You are listening to The Assembly Call, a weekly show about IU basketball, plus a post-game show that goes live during the season as soon as every IU basketball game ends. If you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of The Assembly Call, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call, or you can watch our live video broadcasts on Thursday nights and after all IU games on YouTube. And by the way, the YouTube broadcasts also feature the between-segment banner that doesn't always make it into the radio or podcast edit of the show. And last week, that actually included Ryan summing up his philosophy on life in just three words. Never, Ethan Happ. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, go to youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris. That's a good life philosophy, by the way. I thought so. I thought you'd appreciate that. Uh, I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's talk about recruiting because the other big news from the past week is that DJ Carton uh, surprisingly chose Ohio State over Michigan and Indiana. Not many people thought Indiana was going to get him or was the leader, but a lot of people thought it was Michigan. 
And especially yep. when Chris Holtman showed up at Peach Jam while DJ Carton was on his official visit, some radio hosts actually scoffed at that and wondered aloud if that was a bad sign. Not going to name names, Jared Morris. Uh, that was us that did that. We laughed about that on last week's show. Ha ha, look who looks silly now because DJ Carton chose Ohio State. So a couple of angles here. Let's talk in a second about what it means for IU. Ryan, what does this kind of mean for Ohio State and Chris Holtman? Because they now have two top 30 commits in the class of 2019. And it's inevitable that Holtman and Archie are going to be compared throughout their tenures because they were hired in the same cycle. Um, I mean, it's obviously a very big get for Holtman. And he had a really good season last year and continuing the momentum this offseason. I mean, nobody, nobody thought he was not anything but a very good coach. So it's not too surprising. Ohio State always gets players. That's been the way since Thad Mata got there. They've done really well in recruiting. They put a lot of money into the program. They put, I mean, they put a lot of money into athletics there. And so usually those programs are going to get good players. Michigan is the same way. They're going to get good players. They put money into the athletics. Schools like, I mean, you know, personally, I'm a USC fan. USC is always going to get players in both sports. You know, Arkansas, places like that in basketball, Alabama, Florida, Kentucky. You put money into the program. You put money into the sport. Duke, North Carolina, all the all the big guys, of course. But uh, I'm I'm speaking more about the the schools that have good programs on both sides uh, in football and basketball. Those schools tend to get a lot of good players, and, and it's just because there's an athletic culture at a school like that, a pro athletic culture, and and Indiana is certainly trying to do that as well. So. Uh, it no hate for 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 Chris Holtman. I think that that's a great get for them, and I think that he's a very good coach. And I think DJ Carton sees what he did last year in his first year on campus, and and has to be excited about that. Again, I thought that Indiana was in the mix, but I thought he was a Michigan lock uh, or, or close to one. And you saw those crystal balls on twenty four seven start to switch all of a sudden. And, and uh, I think it was late. Was it last weekend, I guess? Uh, it, those all just started to, to change to Ohio State. And I think people in the state of Michigan had to be freaking out because they thought they had him locked up. So let's talk about what this means for IU. I mean, obviously, this isn't the case where it's like, oh, well, we didn't really want him anyway. No, like DJ Carton's a really good player. He would have filled the need. You know, this is a guy that Archie prioritized for a reason. And so, yeah, let's not let's not get any of that. Oh, he didn't want to compete or he didn't want to play. No, no, no he just he went to he went to a school that is very pro athlete as Indiana is trying to be there. They, they really promote their athletes and Ohio state does a good job of that. And that there's, it's not surprising that a good player would want to go there. And apparently it came down to him just gelling better with the guys at Ohio state. So, you know, for whatever, you know, whatever reason he made that choice, we wish him well, but now for Indiana, you know, your top guard option is off the board for 2019. So you look at this, Andy, it's not like it's a dire, dire need because you look at next year, obviously we assume Romeo is going to be gone, but you're going to have Devante as a senior. You're going to have Robert Finnessy as a sophomore and you'll have Al Durham as a junior. Uh, to me, when you look at this now, you look at the two in-state guys that Indiana's targeting and you would feel like Indiana has the best shot at getting one of those guys, Armand Franklin and Brandon Newman. Newman known as a shooter, a very good shooter. Franklin more of a combo guy with more point skills than Newman. I wonder if this makes Indiana prioritize him just a little bit more now because they lose out on the ball handler in Carton. You know, I really feel like those are the two guys to watch. And there's a whole lot of national names that you'll hear. Anthony Harris, Jamius Ramsey, Kyra Lewis, you know, all these guys. I have no idea if Indiana's even legitimately got a shot, but we know they have a shot at these two in-state guys. And I just wonder, Andy, if this tips the scales in which direction they might prioritize given what they lost out on with Carton. Yeah, I mean, I I actually would 
would it feels like you'd lean a little bit more toward the you know more shooting guard type guy though to me i mean if fantasy you know develops the way that i think most expect him to based on what they've seen from him uh in the past and if Devontae green is able to have a, a, a good junior season you're going to feel going to next season feeling pretty good about the point guard spot. What you don't feel as good about is who would step in at the two. So I think that becomes, mm. you know, guys with those kinds of skills to me become more the priority, not to undersell the importance of point guard, but you have two guys who, you know, you kind of feel like, all right, well, one of these should pan out and be my starting point guard by the time next year rolls around. I'm not sure there's anybody on the roster that you would pencil in and say, Hey, this guy has a really good chance to be my starting two guard. So I, I tend to lean Demise Jerome, maybe Demise or Jerome. I, yeah, I think yeah. it just depends on whether you think those guys are gonna, you know, size wise, they're you know, kind of fit more in as a three. I, I think some of what happens will tell you at least a little bit about early reads on, um, you know, what the coaching staff thinks of these guys being able to settle into some of these positions. Because I think yeah. you know, you've heard that about Jerome Hunter. You've heard that even in in bits and pieces about Keon Brooks. If he's a guy who could you know, give you a bigger look and, and do some of those things with, with his skills. So yeah, I, I do think as you look forward to them, you know, prioritizing one guy or a certain type of guy over another, while you don't want to read too much into it, I think it'll give at least some window into the thoughts around the, the guys on the current roster, because there's a few pieces there that could swing into that two guard spot. But I think those are um, requiring them to, to kind of stretch themselves in a way that I, it's just to me, it's too early to say whether that's realistic or not. Well, let's let's remember too that in this last recruiting class, especially Archie and his staff clearly prioritized versatility. And I think that when you get a guy like Jerome Hunter, who yeah, he's probably more of a natural small forward, and Demizi the same way. But you're also and Justin Smith, I think you would more say his ideal fit is probably a small forward, but he can play some power. He can probably play as, as a sort of face up four role on the perimeter is stretch four if he can hit knock down a three but then those guys if they're versatile enough you can play them on the perimeter you don't necessarily have to play them at quote shooting guard you can just play three guys on the perimeter or or two guys in the, the traditional backcourt two wings and a, and a post I, I think that versatility and athleticism are really important for those reasons i mean og ananobi does not look like a shooting guard but he's played some shooting guard because he's athletic enough to do it and and he's tall and he's got the length to guard at that position to make up for maybe not being as quick as somebody who would you typically guard at that position so i think really if you're clearly seeing them prioritize versatility and probably for that reason because sometimes in a recruiting class you're not going to get perfect you know round pegs to fit your round holes every single time and you've got to sometimes figure it out and and work with what you've got and not panic when you do, you know, and, and give a scholarship away late just to have a guy who fits that role. Who would ever do that at Indiana University? A, a crazy person. Uh, you're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. So, Ryan, you mentioned not panicking. Uh, look, Indiana's number one target in this class, even above and beyond DJ Carton, is Trace Jackson Davis. They have prioritized him, uh, I mean, almost to the level that they prioritized Romeo. It has been impressive just how consistent they have been in being at Trace's games and making sure he knows that he's the number one, uh, you know, their number one target. And pretty much everybody you talk to uh, thinks that it's, you know, almost assured that Trace is going to end up at Indiana. And so that's why I think, you know, people panicked just a little bit this week when there was an article at 24-7 Sports by Sherelle McMillan 
talking about how Roy Williams and North Carolina have now stepped into the Trace Jackson Davis recruitment. And, you know, got some quotes from Trace, got some quotes from his father, you know, talking about the interest level, things like that. And I want to read a couple of those quotes. So first, I should mention, the article does say the Hoosiers are perceived by many in the recruiting community to have a significant lead for him. That probably understates it because we've talked about how pretty much every prediction out there states Trace Jackson Davis will be going to Indiana. But let me read you these quotes and then you can kind of judge for yourself. So the first quote is from uh, Trace's dad, Ray Jackson, and the second quote is from Trace himself. Here we go. A lot of people think that just because he's an Indiana kid, he's going to Indiana. Those writers are just writing to write things. His process is wide open. There are a lot of coaches who call us asking if they have a chance, but I think everyone has a chance. Added Jackson Davis, I think a lot of that comes from fans and stuff who post and respond to my messages. I've never said anything about definitely committing to Indiana. Ominous music added for effect. I was going to so wonder if that was a mistake or, or yeah, I was, like, <laughs> that was, that was, I was thinking like it's Dateline. Did somebody murder somebody? What is, it's like, yeah, it's like, that's the end of the story. By the way, somebody was murdered. It's <laughs> trying to up the production value here. Uh, now, look, I, you know, I, I do this segment somewhat kind of in jest almost and tongue in cheek because from every kind of quote unquote insider that I've talked to, there's nothing to really worry about. But I do think this does kind of underscore the point that you should never kind of spike the football before you reach the end zone. Never just assume that a recruitment is over. And I think Indiana fans should prepare themselves with a lot of time left between now and Hoosier hysteria. As Trace continues to play well and other big schools start sniffing around, you'll probably see some of this stuff. So I think it's fair for Indiana fans to still be very confident and to think that there's a greater likelihood that he'll end up at Indiana than that he won't. But, you know, I, probably the hope of him making an early commitment and getting that done isn't going to happen. But as we mentioned in Hoosier Hysteria, hopefully you can put your best foot forward there, you know, and he gets a very, very warm ovation. And then, you know, everything comes to an end soon after that. Uh, do you guys have any, any insight, any thoughts on, on the Trace Jackson Davis recruitment beyond, you know, again, some of these articles that are going to just trickle out as he gets talked to by other big schools? but it still doesn't seem to really have changed kind of the underlying expectation of everybody who follows this stuff closely. I look, I, I think that if you're a kid and you're going through recruiting and a school like North Carolina comes calling, you're going to listen. I mean, it's, it's a big time school that produces a lot of talent, puts guys in the NBA, wins national championships and has been, you know, won a championship two years ago. I mean, you know, and, and so or two seasons ago, I guess. So it's, it makes sense that, that, that of course these kids are going to listen whenever these people call. And they also, a lot of these guys want to do an announcement. They're not going to just tell people, yeah, no, that's where I'm going. So you'll see a lot of that. And whether or not that's the truth, I don't know. I don't think the recruitment's over. I don't think recruitments are ever over until the kids sign their letter of intent uh, up until that last minute, they have the ability to, to change wherever, you know, change their mind. And these are 17, 18 year old kids. And, that can happen. So I, I would say don't get don't ever believe that a kid's a lock until he signs on the dotted line. I think that a lot of us assumed Romeo Langford was gonna go to Indiana, but truthfully, none of us knew. And I would say Trace Jackson Davis is probably we all feel about as confident as that, uh, that he's gonna go to Indiana. And but we still don't know. And and I don't think anybody would have 
people would have been upset, but I don't know if they would have been completely shocked if Romeo Langford had picked somewhere else that day. And and I would put Tra- Trace Jackson Davis sort of in the same uh, in, in the same area, and hopefully. Uh, you know, he does wind up at, at Indiana, but at the same time, you never know. And that's why you got to keep recruiting these kids, recruit them till the last day you're allowed to. Yeah. I mean, I guess from my perspective, there's a, a few angles to approach it from one from the IU angle, I, from everything you hear, it's not as if they could be doing something different than what they're already doing. And, and yeah. so I think for them, it's stay the course, you know, that in a talented player with a talented player, other pe- teams are going to get involved stay the course with what you're doing by all accounts, what you're doing is, is, you know, quote unquote working, whatever that, whatever that means kind of in this scenario. So, so for IU, I don't know that it changes anything from their perspective and and from, you know, from theirs, I think there's, you know, there's some truth to what they say about, you you know, there's some people making assumptions based on how involved IU has been based on his, you know, being, being on campus a number of times. But I also think there's a little bit of you've got to if you're in their position, I would do the same thing. You want to keep your options open and you don't want to basically say, I'm going to shut this thing down and say, this is what it's going to be. You want to be able to continue hearing from those other schools and leave as many options open for your kid as you want. On the flip side of that is, you know, everyone has a chance. I'm pretty sure if the Quinnipiac coach gives him a call, probably not going to, you know, probably not really in the uh, wheelhouse of of what he would get. So I think that's also just as false as as saying he's a lock to IU. Quinnipiac um, catching some shrapnel on the Yeah, seriously. Call. Sh- shout out to the Quinnipiac <laughs> listeners in the audience. Hey, you know, whatever. Um, but so I think there's, a, you know, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. You can't say that everybody has a chance, but you, you owe it to yourself to keep your options open for your family and for your uh, for your son. And and I think that's what they're doing. And I think that's a smart way to play it for them. And and when you look at it from IU, you, you're going to look back at the end and say, do you have any regrets if he happens to not pick IU? I think to this point, they've done nothing that they would say, you know, if only we had done whatever. They've been a huge presence in his games. They've been in on him for a while. Um, keep doing what you're doing. It's It's been successful to this point, it sounds like, and uh, see what happens. But I think with most guys like that, you're probably not going to get an early commitment anyway. So, um, you know, to think that you would was probably, uh, I'm not sure that was really in the, the list of plausible outcomes for IU anyway. something that they would have expected. It'd be nice, I but I don't know that it's expected. Yeah. I really can't believe that Andy just threw a shot at the Harvard of Hamden, Connecticut. Yeah, that was. <laughs> oh, yes, because obviously he would consider going to Quinnipiac. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, coming up, we talk about a few former Hoosiers who were in the NBA headlines this week. What's next for OG in Toronto? How will Yogi fit now that he's re-signed in Dallas? That is next on the assembly call and more. We'll talk about Victor, too. Stick with us. We'll talk about that next. Welcome back. You are listening to The Assembly Call. So here is a little fun fact for you. In addition to our post-game show and our weekly radio show, we have over 5,700 IU fans from around the globe who subscribe to our email newsletter. There's a high-level operation going on out there. And you can join, too. It is easy. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. You will get our weekly Six Banner Sunday news roundups, as well as our post-game analysis emails once the season begins. It is all free, and it will make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. Again, go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 and join for free today.
Make no excuses. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips talking IU basketball. And guys, there was a lot of Indiana news uh, for players in the NBA this week. And so I want to hit some of those headlines real quick. We'll just kind of do a tour of those. And Ryan, let's start with the big blockbuster trade of the week, which saw Kawhi Leonard go from San Antonio to Toronto and DeMar DeRozan uh, go from Toronto to San Antonio. Uh, also included in the deal was Danny Green, who goes to Toronto. Danny, of course, Devontae Green's brother. So I would assume that there will be some IU basketball watch parties with Danny and with OG this year. I want to get your thoughts on how this deal affects OG. And let me just start out by saying that if Kawhi Leonard comes back, and if he's healthy, and if he's defending at the previous level, how on earth are you going to score against Toronto with Kawhi and OG out there as a wing player? That is devastating. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I, I I worry about Toronto's lineup. I think it's kind of an odd lineup now. If Kawhi, if if Leonard even plays, we don't even know if he's gonna cross the border. First of all, uh, but I do find what I found hilarious, and I won't go too deep into NBA talk, but I did find it was hilarious that. Kawhi Leonard apparently wanted to be in Los Angeles. And so Greg Popov has traded him to the opposite end of the basketball world in Toronto. So well done. Pop. Uh, it's a Los Angeles of Canada. Some say, <laughs> by the Where's way, I was, Pop? when I first saw that, I was so hoping that OG was part of the deal and would be in San Antonio. I mean, that would have been, I mean, imagine him under pop, you know, it's all the comparisons about him being the next Kawhi. And those are ridiculous because he's not going to be that good, but man, he would have been good in that system. Let's hope he's not the next Kawhi, quite frankly, uh, given, well, yeah, given but if, everything that's But if happened. he could be that good of a player though, yeah. I mean, no, it's it, anything a o- compliment one year ago. You can't, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. feelings have changed. Uh, but I, I think it's interesting for OG because yeah, he'll basically get to see the guy that everybody wants to see him become up close and if if leonard is motivated i mean he's going in leonard can't like if the rumors about him sitting out next year and all this he can't sit out and become a free agent that is he, and, and he's due to opt out of his contract next year which is what's going to happen because of the financials he can't sit out and still opt out of his contract so all of that is overblown he's got to play in toronto and and if he's motivated it's not technically a contract year because he has one year left but it's a player option so we can opt out of it He's essentially in a contract year. He's going to have to play well. And OG having a motivated Kawhi Leonard there, even if Kawhi hates Toronto, hates the team, wants nothing to do with it, he's got to perform because of that contract that he's going to be due. Uh, That's going to be great for OG to see up close and personal, see what I can become, what the kind of stuff that I need to to do, how I need to work, and and what I can do on the court. It's also going to take pressure off of OG. I mean, remember... In the postseason, he had to be. He was one of the first guys they threw at LeBron James. Now he can kind of take a backseat, maybe not guarding the best player on the opposing team. Take some, take some pressure off of him. The problem is offensively with Demar Derozan gone. It's going to put more emphasis on OG to do some stuff from the perimeter. So he's really got to step up his perimeter game. I thought he looked good in summer league. Uh, I, I thought we saw some new wrinkles to his game, which is a positive. But yeah, it's going to be a big year for him in a lot of respects. And one of them is that he's going to have that guy right next to him who A, is going to demand a lot from his teammates and B, he's sort of going to have to try and emulate. Maybe Kawhi can learn a few lessons about gregariousness and, you know, from OG. I mean, personality-wise, those guys just are a perfect match, aren't they? Yeah. 
Um, okay, so let's talk about Yogi because there was big news for Yogi. wasn't quite sure what the future held for him in Dallas after they drafted Luka Doncic, after they drafted uh, Jalen Brunson. Really felt like their backcourt was crowded, uh, and it is crowded. But Yogi ends up signing a two-year deal. It's worth five point three million dollars. The second year is not guaranteed, so the first year is second year not guaranteed. And according to the reports I read, he was promised to be the backup shooting guard next year. So again, it's you know Dennis Smith, Luka Doncic, J.J. Barea, Jalen Brunson, all kind of in there. You would assume Smith and Doncic will be the starters. And then to clarify, they said he's going to be the backup to start the season. Right. So he's so, he's got to perform. Yeah. But I, I think look, Yogi has done enough in the league. He averaged double figures this year. I think one of the reasons why the Mavs probably resigned him, Andy, is. They're very comfortable with him uh, because he's consistent and he brings a consistent attitude and mentality, which is what you want for someone in your second unit. And it's interesting. I went back and I was listening to the show that we did with Yogi's mom, Doc Libby, after he graduated. And we asked her a question about, you know, kind of the future of the NBA, her expectations. And I thought she gave a really insightful answer that has really proven true for why, for what qualities would help him catch on in the NBA. Here's what she said. A coach will see how hard he works and they're going to want his aspect on the team because you know that it'll breed other people who want to work hard as well and i think that's a big part of why yogi's going to stick around obviously he can shoot you know he can defend he's a very skilled player but a guy in a second unit like that you want someone who's setting the right example and i think the fact that yogi does that and plays for a coach in rick carlisle who really appreciates that is to me a big part of the reason why they wanted to keep him around yeah i mean to me it just seems like a, a good marriage and and one that i i to be honest, don't follow follow it closely enough to know, you know, what really what other options are really out there for him. Um, but I think for both sides, there's a certain value to the familiarity and, uh, you know, knowledge of the system and all those kinds of things that should allow him to continue to be successful and build on, you know, what he's done these past couple of seasons. And, and for them to be able to have a guy you can turn to off the bench that you know what you're going to get out of him, he's going to be in the right spots and, and all those kinds of things. So I think in that regard, you know, it, it's it's great to look and think about what might be and how things might be someplace else. But I think there's a lot of times in basketball and sports and in any, in any aspect of life where you see a job over somewhere else, it might be a little bit more money or might be more attractive for one reason or another, but there's a certain value that, that comes with knowing what's expected of you, knowing that you can perform to those expectations and exceed those expectations. And uh, I, I think both sides kind of saw that with, you know, with the deal. And, and I think it's one that uh, gives him that opportunity to, you know, have that spot to start with to, uh, you know, hold on to it if he plays well. And and who knows what happens with, you know, from there. But I think it's a good, uh, good spot for him as opposed to having to go someplace else and kind of start over. Yeah. And, and that, that, that backwards already jump in real quick. JJ yeah. uh, Berea is 34, making 3.7 million this year. That's kind of a throwaway contract, really. I mean, I, I don't think they have him in their future plans, although he's been there a while. So Dennis Smith, Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, and Yogi. That's a fun like backcourt. <laughs> it, it is. And, and Brunson, you never know. Brunson may open the year in the G League just to sort of get acclimated. Um, but I, I would expect him to be up too. And so that's five guys, but I, I have a feeling that they're going to start phasing up. Ray. He's, he's, his contract's up after this year. So I, I think Yogi's got in a pretty good spot there. Plus, we all know that the Cuban IU connection is, it has a lot to do with him getting a chance there. And he's proven himself. Yeah. Well, I think you see some of the stuff that, you know, Yogi posts on social media about some of the charity work he's doing there. Not that you can't do those things anywhere else, but it does feel like a place that he's kind of, you know, taken to and, and put some roots down and try to get involved in the community. And there's a value to that stuff as well. Yeah. 
You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We're doing a rundown of the news uh, about Indiana players in the NBA. Uh, one other piece of news from this week, Ryan, is that Troy Williams was cut by the Knicks. Uh, apparently, this was it was kind of like the Thomas Bryant move with, with L.A. that you were telling us about. Like They didn't really want to do it because they like him as a player, but they had to do it for roster salary reasons. Have you heard anything about Troy catching on anywhere else or... Because he played well enough, I think, to get a spot, don't you think? Somewhere? Yeah. And and look, he played well enough in Houston to get the spot. And and, and I thought he played well enough in Summer League to probably earn at least like a camp invite. But sometimes these things are all related to salary. I mean, they, I know for a fact the Lakers really liked Thomas Bryant, but they came down between it was he and another guy who'd been in the system a year longer, and they just decided to go with the other guy who they probably think they could get cheaper down the road. You know, when he has to resign a new contract, it's, it's, it's all complicated, but these are all, you know, machinations that have like seven layers to them. And they, it, it has not it very rarely with guys who are making close to the minimum. It doesn't have to do with how much you like the player. It has a lot to do with salary interest and, you know, salary interests and all that. So I, that's what I understood with Troy as well. Uh, the Knicks had to get their roster size down to 15, so they waived him. Uh, Troy will, A, get, likely get a camp invite somewhere, and B, should almost certainly be in the G League next year. Which, by the way, if you guys haven't watched G League games, they're actually really fun. I don't know if you watch Summer League. It's a lot like that, where it's a lot of up-and-down basketball, a lot of exciting basketball. I went to a few games here last year. It's good basketball. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And there's enough talent now because of the the amount of exposure these guys are getting and the amount of basketball they play in AAU and everything before they get to college that these guys are really polished good basketball players it's not just athletic guys who can't make it in the NBA anymore there are some really good players and that's why the NBA is evolving and essentially making it a minor leagues because these guys are coming up and having an impact on games and uh, so yeah, I would recommend if you have a, a, G, a G League team in your area, or it's on—I mean, a lot of the games stream on Facebook or something. If there's an IU guy you want to watch, go go watch the game. It, they're fun, and it's a lot like it reminds me of the vibe of summer league, where there's just a lot of talent out on the floor, and they're having fun and playing up and down and and trying to get better. So uh, I think that that Troy that that's that would be a good thing for him to maybe develop and round out his game a little bit. But I expect him to be in, on a training camp roster and and then at the very least uh, be in the G League next year. I haven't heard anything new about Cody or Noah or Robert Johnson or James Blackman Jr. Any, any updates, any pertinent updates about those guys? I haven't seen any. Uh, Cody's still with with the Bobcats or the, the Hornets. And uh, I think everybody is is where they where they where they've been. I haven't seen any big changes. Uh, Blackman, I, I I don't know. I, he didn't I still do much he, in in uh, no. And I still think that going over to Europe and being a shooter would be his best way. He can go have money. Jordan Hull's career. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, he I think doesn't he, have the toughness that Hull's has, but well, I I think he could really fit in in like the Spanish or Italian leagues as just a deep shooting threat because they spread the floor a lot in both those leagues. A lot of driving and kicking, and I think that. Uh, I think that's sort of his best fit, and and uh, maybe maybe he will go that route, but I don't know. Yeah. All right. Last question, real quick. Victor Oladipo. How much better can he get? Do you think? I mean, last year set career highs and everything. Thirteen All NBA. You know, obviously a huge breakout year for him. Was that? I mean, was that the pinnacle for him? Or I think as all Indiana fans think, there always seems to be a next level that Victor can get to, <laughs> and he's not even at his prime age wise. 
Well, I think that his numbers may actually go down a little bit with the rest of the roster, the Pacers getting better, uh, but his efficiency numbers may go up. So I think that... They were pretty good last year too. Right. And, and so I think that you may see the raw numbers go down a little bit, but that may just be because the guys around him are getting better. And I think you could see his assist numbers go up. I yeah. think you could see... Uh, uh, rebound numbers maybe go up a little bit, but I, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see scoring go down a little bit. And, but I think that this is where we should expect to see Victor, whether it's second team, all NBA or third team or whatever, I expect to see him in the all NBA mix for the future. I mean, this is a guy who works so hard on his game. As long as he stays healthy, I have trouble seeing him fall off of that pedestal. You know, he's the kind of guy who over the next five years, maybe one year doesn't make all NBA because there's so many good guards but he's in the mix for that, certainly. And he's an all-star. And I think that, you know, expecting anything beyond all-star is is kind of hard because there's very few of those guys in the league. But I think that, you know, in the superstar category, national superstar, but I think that he's certainly proven that he belongs in that all-star mix. And, and I don't expect to see him leave it anytime soon. Yeah. All righty. Uh, coming up here on the Assembly Call in our final segment, we will answer some of your questions. We've got a good one about Romeo and Calvert Chaney that Andy and I are going to enjoy listening to. We'll also talk about the two home games we're looking forward to the most. That's coming up. Stick with us. listening to the assembly call we are wrapping up another week of talking iu basketball i'm jared morris here with ryan phillips and andy bottoms and we will close out the show answering some of your questions we always appreciate you sending them in so thank you for doing that again a bunch of good ones uh let's start out with this question from our friend ben malcolmson of the website hoosiers united which we recommend that you all check out uh, ben says if you couldn't afford season tickets and had to be selective only two games what two home games would you pick and why he says asking for a friend uh, Andy, I've got my two games. What two games would you pick? I feel like it's kind of an easy answer. Uh, I mean, the Rutgers game uh, kind of jumps out. I mean, revenge. Uh, no, there for sure. Um, no, I would say I feel like the Purdue game is always one that I would I would circle uh, to be at. So for, from there, it really just becomes what other game you want. And I think there's three to consider. One would be Michigan State. Uh, one would be Louisville. And the other is the one that I'm actually going to pick. I'm going to go with the Marquette game. Wow. Uh, they're they're a really good offensive team. I think it'll be a good early test. Um Louisville, I think will be a good game. You don't really know what they're going to be with Chris Mack, but the the Marquette game is intriguing to me just cuz I think their team is typically pretty intriguing and fun to watch. So, uh I'll go a little bit off the radar with that and do one uh one non-conference and one conference. But the Purdue one I feel like is kind of a a, a gimme and so it's really the question of what other one you want to do. I think everyone would say Purdue. I would say Louisville, just because the you know the connection in state. It's the third game in that three game series, non conference. But I mean, your argument about Marquette is good. I would go Louisville though, Ryan. Uh, I, I think Marquette would be a really fun game as well. I, I watched them in Maui last year. I, I thought they were just highly entertaining. Uh, they play a lot like they play the style of basketball a team like the Warriors played like three years ago before they got Kevin Durant and we're just shooting threes constantly, you know, with nothing. I mean, that's, that's basically what it is. And it's basically what Duke would do if they didn't have five stars, which is just shoot a ton of threes, play as fast as possible, try to wear your opponent out that way. So it makes sense that Steve Wojciechowski is the, is the head coach. 
Uh, and I'd also say Louisville. I think that that would be great. And and since we're picking, these are home games, right? Only. Yeah, only home games. Okay, then I I mean, because I would say Butler, but that's that's a neutral court. So I'll, yeah. I'll go with I'll agree with with Andy. I'll go with Louisville and and Marquette. I think those are great. You can always you can never go wrong with Michigan, Michigan State though. Yeah. Well. All right. This question from Joel: If Romeo played four what years, were your picks, Jared? Purdue and Louisville. Okay. Uh, if Romeo played four years, would he break Calvert Chaney's all-time scoring record? This is a great question because I saw it was Calvert's birthday this week. You know, and they posted some highlights, and every time I see it, I think about how untouchable that record is because anybody who would be good enough to sniff it is not staying in school for a year or even two years. Like it's just, it's not possible. But let's entertain this hypothetical. So the pros on Romeo's side would be. He enters college as a more decorated recruit and accomplished scorer than Calvert did. So just looking at how those guys showed up in Bloomington, you would think that Romeo would be the one more likely to score more points. Um, he would also probably get more games if he played four years because Calvert did average 33 games per season, and that was with you know obviously a program that was going deep in the tournament. But since 2013, Indiana has played 32, 34, 35, 34, and 31 games, and they only really made a decent tournament run once. So he would probably get, you know, one, two, three more games each season, which would help him. But the cons are that Calvert never averaged fewer than 17.1 points per game, which is crazy. And twice he was over 20. Romeo has yet to score a college point. So assuming that he would do that, I mean, that is a tall order. And plus, you know, Calvert was the focal point of that team, but he also played with a bunch of top 50 players in IU history. Eric Anderson, Greg Graham, Damon Bailey, Alan Henderson, Brian Evans. Uh, dream a little bit, if you want to, about if Jay Edwards had come back. Um, you know, will Romeo have that kind of talent around him? We're all optimistic, or would he if he, you know, stayed? We're optimistic about the recruiting, but that seems hard to match that era. So, my final answer, I think Romeo is one of the few guys, you know, maybe Eric Gordon being another in recent, you know, history who you would think might have a chance if they stayed four years. But I'm going to go with no simply because uh, I just, that was it, it's such an incredible achievement what Calvert did. It's hard for me to, to imagine anybody uh, doing that. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to side with you. You did far more research than I did. Maybe there's just a part of me that doesn't want to acknowledge that somebody could ever break the record. So I, I will. <laughs> preface my answer with that but um Are you yeah, saying we're I, I, biased because of what we were doing when we were 11 and 12 years old absolutely not um i you know but i think i i think all of what you said and i do think it's it, you know the the number of games is such a grind as well i mean calvert was a guy who was you know didn't really have injury issues uh you know he had those later in his pro career uh and, and some of those kinds of things but i think that's the other part you really have to consider is like to be able to do that like you've got to be there night in night out no you know lingering injuries or, or nagging things or whatever and and certainly we hope that that's not the case with romeo but i think in today's you know today's game uh the number of games these guys play even in the off season is so much greater that the, the potential for the wear and tear that's already there becomes a little bit difficult so that would be the only thing that i would add just uh, on top of what you said and and it's hard to speculate with some of the you know potential recruits that are coming in what that supporting cast would look like but um you know i i tend to say no but like i said i'll i'll admit that part of that is my you know the bias of my youth playing into the, playing into my answer ryan you did not grow up idolizing calvert cheney i don't think. i followed his career though as closely as as anybody i think i mean outside the state of indiana but i followed him as closely as i followed anybody i think that uh, he was a national star at Indiana and, and, you know, you watch on Saturdays and Sundays and they'd always have him on. Uh, 
I, I don't think it's possible. And, and the reason why is not a knock on Romeo. It's that I think that if you are surrounded, if, if Romeo Langford played four years and broke Calvert Chaney's record, it's probably bad news for Indiana because it means that nobody else is taking that load off of his shoulders and spreading the scoring around and spreading, uh, you know, everything, you know, spreading just the basketball around and, and moving it. And, and but wouldn't Calvert's very career counter that? But Calvert was such a focal point, and it was a different era where a guy could could just take over a game single handedly. You can't really do that anymore. You need teammates to be willing to to shoulder some of that load. I realize they play. He played with a lot of great players, but he also had players who would defer to him. I, I well, he was. He, I mean, he was the focal point of the offense. I mean, that yeah. that motion. Offense. And I think I think these days in basketball, you're getting offenses without a focal point and, and guys who, yeah, if it gets late in the shot clock, you give them the ball, but you know yeah all right uh that will do it for us on this week's episode of the assembly call if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat join us at assemblycall.com on thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for assembly call wherever you listen to podcasts and don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join or text iu to 66866 to join our free email newsletter thank you for listening we will be back to talk iu hoops again with you next week until then Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years older to purchase player client.